Oh, hello, my babies. This is it. This is our last re-release episode. The last three have been such a ball. It's been really special to go down memory lane and revisit some of our favorite conversations on Cultured over the last three years. Three years, yo! That's a long time. And here we are, just weeks away from new episodes of Cultured, coming at the top of the year, the first Wednesday of January. But in the meantime, we are going back to our conversation with none other than the Atlanta icon that is Frico Rico. What? He is such a character. He is an artist through and through, a creative through and through. And we had such a fun time recording this conversation in person, in studio, when we used to do that, remember? And ever since our conversation, he has flexed on some major collaborations, like with Reebok and Red Bull. And he continues working with some of the biggest names in hip hop on album artwork. So this is a dude who puts in the work and puts in the creativity and knows how to start a conversation. You'll know what I mean in just a moment. Without further ado, here he is, the Africo. Welcome to the Cultured Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Corey, and together we'll journey into the unknown reaches of the art world. Hola, mis bebés! I am so excited to be here with you again, week after week, show after show. Today, we're talking to Frico, a visual artist, BMX biker, budding rapper, husband to cultured guest and clothing designer Bianca from episode nine, and a new father to Ace, who is possibly the cutest baby in all of the land. Frico is here to talk to us about album art after his artwork skyrocketed into the mainstream when Action Bronson asked him to do the artwork for Mr. Wonderful and then Gucci Mane for All My Children. So we're going to talk to him today about the inspiration behind his very signature style, which P.S. in most cases is not safe for work. But first, let's talk about what's inspiring me today. You know, my inspiration took flight because I'm inspired by songbirds. The spring is a common, my friends, and with it are a whole bunch of different kinds of songbirds. But in particular, my very favorite is the northern cardinal or just the red cardinal. I am left speechless every time I see this beautiful bird. And I started looking up some facts about it. Because as a Latina who grew up in Miami, we actually had uh, little stuffed cardinals. They weren't real. No cardinals were hurt in the making of Christmas at my house. But my mom would put them on the tree. She would put them around the house. And so I grew up with the idea of this cute, red, beautiful cardinal. But I had never seen one in person in my life until... I am not kidding, a few months ago. And I was sitting at my desk, which has this beautiful window that faces this amazing tree. And there, right in front of my eyes, was a cardinal, the first time I had ever seen one in my life. And I was stunned by its beauty. So 
I started researching it and found some fun facts. And these are kinds of the trains of thoughts that I go on when I find something that inspires me. And through that path of inspiration, I found out that cardinals were actually named after Catholic cardinals by early American settlers because Catholic cardinals wear bright red robes. And of course, cardinals are bright red. Well, the male cardinals, the female cardinals are actually tan and orange. They have a little bit of red on their wings. But guess what? The females don't have to dress up so much because they're so in demand. I don't know what happened with human society, but we got to get on that train. You know what I'm saying? I just hate doing my hair. That's that's it. Anyway, these birds are also monogamous, so they mate for life. And if the pair is able to produce healthy offsprings, they remain together for a long time. They might even divorce if they need to find a more suitable mate. So again, like parallels here with humans, you know, been there, done that, whatever. Anyway, probably like the most fun fact is that a flock of cardinals is sometimes known as a Vatican. So the more you know, kids. All right, without further ado, let us talk to Frico. Well, hello, Frico. How you doing? Or should I say Monsieur Frico? Mr. Frico? Yeah, Papa Frico. Papa, Papa Frico. <laughs> yeah. All right. You know, your art feels to me like a cross between comic books, uh-huh. Roy Lichtenstein, yeah. and porn. But that's just me. So how do you describe your style? Definitely influenced by comic books. Porn, I think, subconsciously. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you watch porn so much, you start seeing it as an art form. You know, multiple figures just doing things that's most of the time natural. Mm. So if you look at it as an artist especially like an artist like me who studies anatomy. I guess it is an art form. When did you get into art? My mom will say since I was about three. Really? Yeah. But my mom took it more serious. My mom always knew I was going to do something with it. She nurtured it. Mm. So as a kid, I was part of programs every single summer, uh, every day. After, I had an after-school program because my, both my parents worked. My mom was a teacher and my dad was a real estate agent. I always was drawing something. I always had a sketchbook with me. And then I always, uh, I, I just a showman. I always showed off. I've been the same person since I was about fifth grade, literally. That's mm-hmm. when I broke into who I was, and then I got my nickname. My first name is Richard. Mm-hmm. So it was another Richard, and so, but he was like, he was, he looked like his name was Richard. So <laughs> people called him Richard, but people stopped calling me Richard, and then was calling me Rico. And I got Frico when I was like in the seventh grade going into eighth grade. Oh, which, people just started calling you Well, that. I, I had a football coach make fun of me um, and start calling me that, and I didn't like it. I didn't like it because... I was just, you know, kids don't like talking about sex and stuff. I was open to just talk shit about it. And and, and then uh, that shit got around that I was just like on that shit when I was like uh, eighth grade. And <laughs> and uh, my coach was just was like, what, is, what, you know, what, you know? And, so and, they uh, started calling you that. Yeah, they just they called me Frico. You're all about breaking the norm, breaking mm-hmm. tradition. Yeah. To see something traditional like the pursuit of a classical arts degree mm-hmm. from Howard University yeah. in D.C., which is a historically black university. Yeah, yeah. So I want to hear a little bit from you about what compelled you to seek out that training. I had a teacher, Arthur Parks, and um, he's a he's a um, illustrator and a painter. That was my first like intro to classical, you know, someone teaching me how to draw and paint. Because mm. at first I was self-taught, of course. I just had teachers that would just tell my mom and my dad, like, yo, he's good, you know, get him into something. So that was my first intro to that. So he always told me about studying black art because he, he was a black artist. So uh, it was a no-brainer when um, when I got accepted to Howard and I also had, a, um, I had an aunt and a cousin that was teaching in fine arts. I got ready for SCAD and got accepted to SCAD. 
and they offered a eight thousand dollar scholarship, which was good. But then I got accepted to Howard and got a full ride, special talent scholarship, um, which is <laughs> is unheard of for people. You know, my freshman class when I showed up there, so they're like, "You going to school for free off of drawing and painting?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Well, and it's also unheard of to have your parents, like, stand up for your art. (laughs) So that's amazing, and it helped shape the rest of your life. Yeah. My mom would get complaints about how I am, and I think she had to realize that, okay, he's coming from a whole other world. And then you can't, you know, discipline was different for me because nothing really hurt me. I I just, if you take... If you take the art away from me, then yeah. Mm-hmm. But they really, my mom, my dad, they didn't, like, they disciplined me on a forceful level. And then I kind of used to eat pain and then go back and paint and draw. Wow. And then just come back and then they just be like, oh, I thought you were crying this whole time. You've been in here. You got a whole slew of shit you just made, you know? Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> it's your soul drive. Yeah. It's my drive and it's uh, it's a liberating yeah. It's a liberating tool, and it's just, it's just been the same, you know? What I also find really interesting is the fact that you're one of the most consistently dedicated artists I know. Yeah. I mean, you create something every single day yeah, without fail. And yep. I have a friend who's lived with you before, and mm-hmm. she has told me it's amazing to see you, mm-hmm. you know, at your desk, always mm-hmm. drawing, yeah. always making something. Yep. And I think we all, as creatives, we all kind of hear, you have to make something every day, but mm-hmm. it's hard. to. Yeah, it is. One thing about you is that Atlanta street culture is a very important part of your work. Yes. And I feel like your process as well. Yep. So what about street life inspired? you every little part of it we, we just were on the street you know we just took took a uh, ace for a stroll down edgewood for his first time i'm not from like the streets of atlanta i, I grew up going to the streets of atlanta mm-hmm. my dad hated it he just was like, you're always in the streets you know and like when i when he gave me his he gave me his car like it's my first car and that's that's the first place i went i went literally downtown and just drove around for 30 minutes just until my till my gas light came on and I tried to put like five in the tank and get back. So, but that's I just love everything about street culture. And people people think street culture is uh, cool things that happen in the street. I'm I'm talking about just random shit. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about street culture. It's literally built on polarities. Like, if you're gonna live by the law, you can live by the law. But when you're in the street, the law can go either way. You know, like if the police aren't there, there's no law. You know. Yeah. And so and that's what I love about like cities like Philly. Cause it's a very lawless city. You can do whatever the fuck you want there. I and I found that out this past summer, last summer, in DC definitely. People don't realize DC has a rich street culture, mixing with all the cultures that are there, from the Eritreans, East East Africans to just people who are from Maryland that come into the city, and it's people who literally have been in the same spot of the city. So it, I, every little aspect drives like everything I do. Period. Like I'm just a street person. Mm-hmm. I can live in I can live in nature, but I just I'm drawn to concrete. Like, yeah. I love seeing concrete, and I love seeing, like, angles and just geometric shapes that are built from stuff. I just love looking at it, and that's why I use it so much. And you also are drawn to people and interactions, yeah. yes. and yeah. it's clear that you're very curious about yep. what makes people tick. Yeah. You know? Cause, <laughs> I am. Because... I feel like a lot of your art uh-huh. you put out there and A, there's a facetiousness to it. Yeah. And then it also often feels like you're testing the limits yep. and testing people's reactions. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. And I love that. It's like yeah. this constant thermometer that you're pricking into people's yeah. like butts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if people and I think if people aren't comfortable with themselves, they shouldn't be around me. I'm not doing it to hurt you. I just do it to, to see what how far you're going to go inside yourself to deal with me 
and then or I don't know how you're gonna do it. You know, I it's just, like a social experiment. Yeah, I, every day is a social experiment. Yeah, and so and, and the thing is with me, like it's no right or wrong. It's just the polarities of how I live. Like I, sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. A lot of times I'm wrong. <laughs> A lot of times I'm right. And so I just love it because it gives me something to write about, something to draw about. And like, you know, I also feel there's a rebelliousness, yeah, too, obviously, yeah. um, especially in the tools that you use. Yeah. And so I want to talk a little bit about some of those tools. Like, yeah. So what are your favorite tools to make art? Since I just was showing at Wish Gallery, I did nothing but acrylic and um, oil paint stick using the exact same brush and not cleaning it. I did that for all of my paintings. Like, like it was bare, it was very dirty. Yeah. Very dirty. A lot of the water was disgusting. And I was talking to myself while I was painting. Like Bianca was like he's talking to himself. Like because I was like, Oh, this shit is disgusting. Like you know, <laughs> I was like, This is horrible. I love it, you know? That was my whole thing. Like and I got into it because of that one brush. And I used the same brush the entire time. That's unheard of for, for painters to do that and uh not clean their brushes, mm-hmm. keep going back in with the same colors, washing them out. Like, just the technique, I love it. And then as far as illustration, of course, people don't know. I don't, I don't use a Wacom tablet, and I use an old HP that's from 2014 or 2013. And I use an old version of Photoshop. I don't use Illustrator. I don't even know how to use that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, what I learned how to do was draw on paper and scan it. And so when I explain that to people who are straight just digital artists that use tablets, like, what? <laughs> And so really it's like talking about floppy disks. Yeah, and the thing is it's no vector. So mm-hmm. my line my lines that I have that I drew on the paper, those are my lines. So it freaks people out because my hands my hand is really steady. And but at the same time it's an illusion because I go at angles that make that make the lines look straight, but they're not straight. <laughs> it's just like when you you're at a psychiatrist, you know, and you're looking at something it's like, okay, like what do you see? It's the same thing. It makes me want to use, you know, Crayola markers. I do a lot of Crayola marker stuff instead of using um, copics and shit like that. Right. So I use I use the dollar Crayolas that you get from Kroger. You keep it simple yeah. as hell. Yeah. And it's like there's an art to the simplicity. Right. It's like, minimal. It's right. minimalism. It's minimal, but it's also yeah. like he made that with Crayola markers. Mm-hmm. So there's no excuse, right? right? Yeah. If you know how strong your hand is and then how far you're going to go creative in your mind, then you, you shouldn't worry. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said when so because I know myself so well and it does. I do come off like a dick sometimes, or asshole to people who don't know themselves that well, or who have to question themselves. Because, but I'm not trying to push you away from knowing yourself. I want to help you, and sometimes I'm a little bit brash. I'm a Sagittarius. That's just how we are, <laughs> and so it's gonna come off like that. And um, that's just the art of it, man. It's just the yeah. art. It's just you gotta play around, man. So speaking of playing around, yeah. There's a lot of graphic sexual imagery in your work. Sometimes it makes me blush. Uh But it's also, whether it's in your visual art, rapping, your installation. You've heard my raps? Uh, Of course. (laughs) Uh, All of them. I did my research. Yeah, thank you. Mm Mm-hmm. And so often the situations depicted in your visual are are men surrounded by half-naked or naked women, tons of TNA. Mm -hmm. So where does that come from and what are you trying to communicate with that? Uh, I love the female body. That's one thing I can say. Mm-hmm. So, and I love drawing it in the way I, I love illustrating it the way I illustrate. Because I, when I, at Howard, of course, I took figure uh, drawing one, two, three, figure painting one, two, three, which was a watercolor acrylic oil. Oh my God. And then I did sculpture one, two, three, which was clay, wood, and uh, some wire bullshit we tried. That broke everybody who was in the class with me. Out of seeing shit so sexual and mm. so, you know, westernized of nudity. And so, and I really got into the art of muscles, even though you sometimes you can't really see it, 
But when I sketch out my nudes and stuff, I put every little muscle in there, and I might go back and erase just because I still wanted to have the minimal feel. Yeah. So that's that's why I do that. It's, and it's nothing like trying to over-sexualize. Mm-hmm. But I have, I have my fun, and I think real artists who look at the work, they understand, okay, this dude knows anatomy. So let's talk a little bit about your relationship with hip-hop. Yeah. High Snobiety <laughs> has yeah. an article that calls you one of hip-hop's best visual artists. Yeah. And when we talk about hip-hop, mm-hmm. we're talking about this cultural phenomenon, really. Yeah, it's not yeah. just a genre of music. It's, it's something a, that's made up of... It's a way of life. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it has different elements like mm-hmm. graffiti, like yeah. breaking, yeah. and emceeing. So... Aside from your work for hip hop artists, mm-hmm. I actually think that your work captures the same themes that we've seen in hip hop, yeah. yeah. rap, and trap yeah. for the past couple of decades. Yeah. So, how do you see your work fitting into hip hop culture? When I sit down and I do anything, I don't have to say, oh, I want to make it hip hop. I listened to all that shit growing up. I'm talking, that's four or five years old. I didn't watch Barney, I didn't watch Disney Channel, I didn't watch none of that. And so, because I, I wasn't stripped of my childhood, but I have older brothers who. You know, if I'm watching that, they're going to walk in change the channel, put, you know, Rap City on. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I was hip hop from from the get go. And I don't think they knew what they built, you know, because now they listen to some corny ass hip hop. And that, and I'm still listening to the shit that they put me on when I was a kid. And I'm like, hey, and like, why are you so hard? I'm like, you guys kind of built me like this playing around and you built a little monster. So, yeah, I mean. The little monster was always there. They just yeah, let it out. I take hip hop so serious. Like. I'm one of those people who I'm not afraid to say it. I, I you know, I live it. You know, I live it and I and I love it. Hip hop artists. I, get, I mean, I get I get contacted every single day from young, expiring hip hop artists that um, they come to me for artwork, but then they come from they come to me for a stamp. Like they want me to listen to their work, and they want me to give them my my open opinion about like their raps. And wow. so, with me making like a rap album myself was was uh was odd because people had been wanting it for years and uh and in in school I always was able to freestyle and like joke around i just it just it's it's natural so i've lived a little harder than a lot of rappers that are coming out you know mm-hmm. i'm i'd still live harder than rappers with with the you know with a wife and a child so it's like <laughs> you know i know how to i know how to struggle i know how to hustle and i think that is what people aspire to get from me other than the artwork you mm-hmm. know you know i've had a guy who just hit me up and i did artwork for him he was like, man, you know, you you know, it's more than just the artwork with you, man. You know, you live like you live like a rapper, but then you do artwork, and then it, but it's still cool because you make you make it cool for us to like to be the art. Yeah, be, be yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, be yourself. And it, you just released your first album, yeah. Fat Ken. Yeah, it was right. Yeah, and yeah. you collaborated with your wife Bianca, yeah. who, like I mentioned earlier, yeah. is uh, the guest from episode nine because yeah. she has her own clothing label yeah. called Bianca. Yeah. So, how did you first start working with Action Bronson? Uh, Bronson uh, was like a no-brainer. When I first got on to him, you know, of course he sounded like Ghostface, so that's one of the reasons because I'm a huge Ghostface fan, Wu-Tang fan. And so, but the, but the lyrics were so vivid, mm-hmm. and it just got me back into drawing and got, ba- and got me back into illustration. And uh, that's what, I, the hiatus I took from illustration, it started back when I did Action Bronson's drawings. Bronson was reposting all the stuff on Instagram when Instagram was not so clout-based. Mm. It was just loose. And 2014, he was just posting the stuff. 2015 comes. Eminem had saw my work, and they paid me to do, like, a holiday card for him. And then that was just the initial. They just, they just, I think they wanted to see if I can work under circumstances like that. So then his, um, his, his old manager, I don't think he's his manager anymore, hit me up and was just like, we wanted you to do a, a cover 
for a single that he's about to drop and he hadn't dropped music in like a year because he was just doing he was a mixtape artist at the time so then it just kept going kept rolling and i talked to bronson on the phone for the first time for like i think 30 minutes we just vibed out like i ain't gonna lie like the guy is um you know we have a lot in common (laughs) it's odd but we do have a lot in common same interest and stuff he hit me up for the album cover which blew my mind for mr wonderful yeah for mr wonderful and then all the singles after it you know they hit me up they hit me up for that, and then it was like, okay, so after we do the cover, you're going to do three more, four more single covers, and we're just going to hit them that hard. And then, you know, then you can do whatever you want to do, too. So it was cool because that, uh, that was my first break into commercial art. This stuff was billboard. It was everything. Like, it was on the side of a truck. That's so crazy. That's, yeah. that's when your art hit that mainstream yeah, kind mainstream. of level. Yeah. And then, of course, Gucci mm-hmm. Mane's getting out yeah. of prison. Yeah, and was, he that was weird too. reaches out to you. Yeah, that was... So I seen Gucci perform like four or five times and then just leading up to him getting out of jail and I was drawing all this stuff and then huge Gucci fan, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm talking like old Gucci. Just because it just it pushed me through high school and college, it's, you know I, that that was believe it or not, I, like his mixtapes motivated me in art. It was weird, wow. but it remi- when I was in D.C., it just remi- reminded me of home, of how um, how she just was here on the east side, and that's how I was. And when they hit me up for that, uh, it was funny. I did the cover in two hours, and it I just did, came out of you. Yeah, it just came out of me fast. And then I'm a like, I'm a performer. When you give me the opportunity, I'm gonna take it and run. So and I'm gonna perform. So I'm curious about the process for designing an album cover and especially transitioning into the commercial world. So what is the process for you? Is there a process or is each one different? It's funny because I've like now I've designed like a lot of different things and I work with a a slew of like big companies. Nothing changed. Like they have to work how I work. I tell you, I'm not using Mm. a tablet. I do not have a tablet. I do not know how to use one. You know, I have one actually, but it's a shitty. doesn't even work really. (laughs) And uh, they they understand that they're like okay we want but usually they want the stuff that they already see from me personally they're like oh, we want this stuff like right now I'm I'm about to be working for a big company and they the the, the way they laid it out they were like we want this kind of shit from mm. you the shit that you don't do for everyone else I'm like okay cool you know yeah um it's That's the same kind thing of a dream it, it is right but there's still it's still like little nooks that you got to get past because. And how many, you know, how many revisions they want sometimes. How do you handle those? I'm I'm like, I'm I'm a, I'm aggressive. So through email, I'll just say no. <laughs> I just like, you know, I had to tell a client I'm working with right now. I was just like, after, I think after like the third thing they, I was like, hey, no, I'm not. I'm sorry. I can't. Like, I literally can't do it. And they, they understood. It's like, okay, you know what? We're forgetting that he is drawing this stuff. This is not graphic design. Right. He's drawing this shit on paper and sending it to us. Well, and also so different because when you are an artist for hire and Mm -hmm. and doing commission work all the time from the very beginning, then I think the work is a little bit more ready to be tweaked Mm -hmm. and to be molded. But people are hiring you for your signature style and your reputation. So it's actually a little bit different. You are more married to the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And then the time. They don't give you enough time. They never get, like I said, two days for the Gucci. I mean- the, I mean, the only thing I had time on was was Action Bronson because he's an artist himself, and he just was like, "Yeah, just you know, take your time. We're gonna get it right, <laughs> you know." And I, but that's the last time I had time to do anything. Yeah, <laughs> it's usually like people, they're like, "We need it. We need it by you know, tomorrow morning. Is that possible? Maybe." And I'm like, <laughs> "Tomorrow morning." Yeah, he's like, "Hey, you know, I still live a regular life of you know, 
taking a shower you know like, <laughs> and now <laughs> yeah you have a baby right right <laughs> so now one. yeah it's weird because you know um i mean even this past week and then of course for the wish show i did all my paintings in one week wow. i did the entire and which was only six paintings but I, they were big a and lot. a lot of they labor were big, yeah. a lot of labor into those into those pieces in just one week and then it just you know and with me i'm not scared to you know to just push myself to a limit that people, you know, they're like, okay, are you going to be able to do that? Yes, I can do it. Mm-hmm. I can do it, you know, and yeah. I really want to do it. And um, I think Atlanta is not used to that type of uh, laboring in arts. I think the arts is like, it's social. Mm. And I'm so, I'm into, I'm into just full on work, you know, and like, because it comes from, it comes from my heart, you know. Yeah. And it's a lot of artists in this city that do art to be cool. And I do it because I have to do it. Mm-hmm. I will go nuts. I will go nuts showing or not showing. Like, I, I have to do it every day. Yeah. And so if, it's, if I'm not showing or showing, I'm still going to be doing it and having a good time. So So what are you inspired to do next? Now, I'm, I definitely want to rap more. I definitely like rapping. And um, I want to write some scripts. And um, For what kinds of like, productions? Uh, s- small stuff. You know, I have a lot of dark humor. A lot of stuff that you see in that show Atlanta. Um I've actually lived it, you know, and like, you know, me and Bianca, we've seen, we watched it like, oh man, we've seen that before. Yeah. And, 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 but to a twist with a little fantasy to it. So I want to write, I want to be a little, I want to start writing and I want to start, um, and, you know, writing and rapping is one and the same when it comes to that. Uh, even though half that, half that album I freestyled, but then I have like two tracks where I actually wrote, <laughs> you know, but it's just, I love, I realized that uh, I love writing. Eighth grade, I had the uh, highest writing score. Um, in my school, and which doesn't mean much because I went to a shitty school. <laughs> but no, nah, I had I was I Bar was is low. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was it was it sucks, but it was. But I, I um I have creative writing. You know that's mm-hmm. what I was good at. And if I wasn't illustrator painter, I would be a creative writer. I'd be How doing am what I you do. Surprised? Yeah, though. I would do journalism and creative writing. I love writing. Good, join me. Yeah, a lot of the interviews I have online. If people want to call me, I was like, no, send me the question so I can type the shit out. Really? Yeah, I love writing out, typing out my answers, sentence structure, mm. all that. Even though they'll go back and change it. I had an interview I did two months ago, and they changed everything because they said it was too much. And I was yeah. like, yeah, but it was for a hip hop blog. So hip hop well, blog, hip hop blogs don't like a lot of creativity. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they don't. It's so weird, man. It's just they keep it so dumbed down and. Well, I mean, not for nothing, but. It, yeah. When you're a professional writer, the one thing they tell you which breaks your heart is yeah. you got to dumb it down. Yeah, you can't go. It, you can't. You, I mean, you have to write. I think it's for a fifth grade reading level. Yeah, or no, yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what they said. It's like okay, the way you send it structured, it was perfect, but you used you was rhyming in between shit, and it just was too much. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like I'm I'm having a good time, you know, yeah. like intellect here, you know. And I think it shouldn't be that. Should it be? It should be cutting edge pushing people's brains you know and especially i agree yeah like i agree but you know what that's what you're doing with your artwork you're pushing people's brains pushing people's heartbeats you're doing it all i'm trying and and i just appreciate you for coming on the show today this was really interesting so thank you freako thank you i I appreciate you having me man yeah you you're, you're one of those people who you get it I mean, are you not totally in love with Frico now? Yes, I am. (laughs) 
All right, well, if you want to learn more about Frico and see some of this outrageous artwork of his and listen to some of those rappy raps, you can check him out on Instagram at Frico Rico. And that's F R E A K O R I C O. See, I can rap too. <laughs> and you can also go to frko.bigcartel.com to buy some of his prints and learn more about him. And y'all, don't forget, it is not safe for work. So don't be pulling this up at Coca-Cola headquarters, okay? Because people is gonna not be okay with it. All right, y'all. Until next time, you know what to do. Keep it classy. Keep it curious. Keep it cultured. Visit culturedpodcast.com for show notes and subscription links. The Cultured Podcast is a production of my podcast production company, Frequency Media. I'm the host, Michelle Corey. Ina Garkusha is our fabulous producer. Becca Godwin is our wonderful associate producer. And we're recording in Atlanta, Georgia. Georgia.